0: Hello and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. My name is Brooke McCallery and I'm your host. And with me is my husband
1: and co-host, Ben. G'day. How are you going? Good, good. Welcome to episode 19. Thank you. We've we've come so far in such a short period of time.
0: I know, we're just about to crack the 20s. Yes, yes.
1: But before we crack the 20s, um, we need to get through... Uh, Episode 19, where you interview the godmother of um, simple living in Australia, um, Rhonda Hetzel.
0: Yeah, this is actually, I think this will be a, an episode that a lot of people have been looking forward to because uh, when I sort of first kind of put the feelers out and asked people who they'd like me to interview for the show, um, Rhonda was one of them. And, um when I mentioned that I just interviewed her, I like my Facebook feed exploded, so I think people will be keen to hear what she has to say, but she's um she's so she's a really cool lady, and um I kind of felt like I was talking to a kindly grandmother figure, but she she doesn't pull any punches either, so
1: she's the self-confessed grandmother she
0: is I feel like I can say that because that's what she called herself.
1: But you know, I think it's probably nicer to call her the fairy godmother
0: yeah, that's nice. that is nice. Um, Yeah, so I mean, I I think I don't want to give too much away about our conversation, but she uh, kind of talks a bit about her beginnings and what life was like before she adopted a simpler way of life. And, um, you know, people often comment that it's easy for her now. You know, she's a maybe, you know, I don't know how old she is, so I'm not going to guess, but, um, you know, she's uh, living at home with just her husband. Her children are grown. They've got their own families now. So people will often comment that it's easy when you know life is simple like that. But she began when her kids were teenagers, so it's never, it's not always been a you know a simple kind of singular lifestyle for her. And she goes into what it was like back then and how she started, and as well she has some really good advice for people who are just completely overwhelmed, don't know where to begin.
1: Yeah, and it's a really excellent conversation. I think that um, no matter where you are in your simple living life, you'll you'll get. Um, something out of it.
0: You will I think.
1: So uh, a lot of people have um, sent through questions which we'll get to in the next um, what do we call it? Hostful. Hostful um, which will be the the following week's um, episode Um, and a lot of people are asking how they can support the show because this is a free show um, and you can do so by supporting the part our partners and that's audible.com
0: yeah today's show is sponsored by audible.com where you can access 180,000 audiobooks you can listen to them on your iphone your ipad your computer whatever device you use and uh, if you go to audibletrial.com slow you can get a free audiobook uh, all you have to do is sign up using that link, and uh, you can go and grab yourself a free book and a 30-day trial of Audible.
1: Uh, and what what book would you recommend this
0: week? Uh, this week, I would recommend a fiction book by a, an author called Patrick Rothfuss. It's, uh, the book's called Name of the Wind, and it's the first book in a series. It's called The Kingkiller uh, Chronicles, and... Uh, I didn't think that I would like this book. It's very, you know, fantasy, science fiction, you know, kind of thing. And that didn't necessarily sound like something that I would enjoy. But it's one of the best books that I've read. uh, And the audio version is uh, read by an amazing actor. So it gets, you know, really good. Re- uh, reviews and recommendations, and you can get that or some other book. Of I wonder choice.
1: whether Harper Lee's new book is on Audible.
0: It is. Oh, yeah. Reese Witherspoon reads it. Oh, that'd be interesting too.
1: Very good. All right. Any other housekeeping before we get into it?
0: Um, oh, just a quick mention, I guess. I know a lot of people who listen to the podcast don't actually read the blog, but uh, last week, I guess by the time this goes out, I made a bit of an announcement I think maybe we can dig into that in the hostful next week. But, uh, yeah, I'll be stepping back quite a bit from my online writing, uh, at least for the, the rest of the year. Things just got a little bit crazy and life became less about slow and more about fast, and that's not the way we want to do things. So, anyway, yeah, if, if you're keen to see why I did that, then either listen next week or go and read the uh, the blog post.
1: It's all about the spoken word in 2015.
0: And today's show notes, you will find them at slowyourhome.com slash 19. And, yeah, enjoy the show.
1: Enjoy the show.
0: Hi Rhonda. Hi Brooke, how are you? I'm really well, how are you?
2: I'm good, thank you.
0: Thank you so much for for jumping on the podcast with me, I really appreciate talking to you.
2: It's it's uh, really nice to be invited to do it, and it's nice to uh, talk to somebody so early in the morning.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is. I mean, for, for everyone else, it's up past five in the morning, and um, I feel like I'm, I'm talking to a kindred spirit because Rhonda gets you up are. about the same time as me. <laughs> um, what time do you wake up, actually?
2: I get up at four usually, but sometimes it's a little bit earlier. It depends.
0: I'm exactly the same. My alarm goes off at four. I um I have been finding it a little bit difficult on these chilly mornings, but it's, yeah. um, it's it is worthwhile.
2: Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah, best time of the day.
0: Oh, it is. It's quiet, and you know I've got two little kids, and they're asleep, so I get you know
2: uninterrupted yes. time. Well, I got into that habit of doing it uh, when my kids were little too, and I've never gone back.
0: I think I'll be exactly the same. You know, I mm. uh, I used to be a real night owl. I'd stay up before I had kids. I'd stay up until 2 in the morning yeah. uh, because I could, you know. Uh, yep. There was no one who needed me at 6 a.m. But, yeah, uh, yeah it's such a, a, for me, a massive shift and such a positive change. Um, do you do anything specific in the mornings? Like, Do you have a, a routine or a ritual?
2: I, I usually write uh, when I will read and write. Okay. So uh, yeah, I get up and I find that there's no telephones ringing and no one walking around the house. So I can concentrate on what I'm doing. I think there's something in the
0: quiet stillness as well. You know, it's it's a yeah. more reflective kind of time. I
2: feel. Yeah, I think so. I think you can, uh, and your your mind is so fresh when you get up. You, uh, I, I find that I do my best work early in the morning.
0: Yeah, that's probably the the majority of my writing gets done. Then, to um, for the exact same reason, you know, I haven't had time to be distracted yet. Yeah, that's right. So, speaking of writing, you've just you're working on your third book at the moment. Yes, yes, just finished it last Tuesday. Oh, congratulations! <laughs>
2: Thank you. <laughs> that it's, must be a, a bit weight of a marathon. <laughs> off.
0: So, um, can you tell me, you know, what what because your first book, Down to Earth, was really a practical guide. Um, into a lot of elements of simple living and sustainability and uh, that sort of thing. And your second book was more of a um, – it wasn't a, like a, an illustrated book, was it? It was more about the benefits of simplifying and slowing down. So what's your third book going to kind of cover?
2: Well, it's uh, its called The Simple Home and it's covering, again, um, practical things that I didn't cover in the first uh, book um, – so it's going month by month through various things that you can do each month, and um you know sort of talking about things like housework um, baking, doing the laundry, food storage, real food finances, things like that.
0: that sounds fantastic
2: well yeah i feel um I feel as if i'm the grandmother that's giving out <laughs> hints to all the grandchildren when I do this, um, and it feels really nice to be able to share something that I has been so good for me with other people who often are struggling. So I feel really privileged to be able to do it. Oh,
0: and I know personally just how many people your work is impacting because. Um, so I will say that you were the first Australian blog that I discovered. Uh, years ago, that that wrote about simple living and slowing down, and you know, getting back to basics. And um, I took a huge amount of inspiration from you. And then when I started talking to people about this podcast specifically and asking who they want me to interview, your name kept coming up. You know, time and time again.
2: Oh, so, wow, that's nice. Yeah,
0: no, you're um you're having a massive impact on on a whole host of people. Um, so. Do you think, you know, going back to what you were talking about with your book, those kind of skills have been lost over the past couple of generations to a lot of us, not all of us? Um, You know, partly because we don't have time to, you know, we think we don't have time to do those kind of really simple, important tasks like meal planning and, you know, budgeting and um, making real food and preserving and that kind of stuff. So, why do you think the the interest is swinging back towards a simpler, more back-to-basics life?
2: Well, I think it is the busyness thing, that people do think they're busy all the time um, and they want to break from that and, and it's not making them happy. Um, I know when I speak to people uh, at workshops and at festivals and things, a lot of them say to me, as soon as I started slowing down and simplifying I felt happier, um, and and so I think it's that. I think it's, um, you know, it's as simple as that. You know, you wouldn't think it would be that simple, but I think it is. Um, and I think that all of those things that I've talked about in my book, they still work now. You know, they're old-fashioned things, I suppose, but they're still relevant now because they still fit into our lives. Um, they, you know, they haven't got a use by date, so they keep on going and keep on giving, and and they help people uh, slow down and appreciate what they've got.
0: I think there's something really important in that because, you know, first of all, we are convinced that we're so busy that we don't have time for these things. But the moment that we start to to pay attention to them and to even just something really small, like baking a loaf of bread or, you know, um, preserving some tomatoes or something like that. And you can see there's a real difference in people when they start to appreciate just those small changes. You know, we, we recognize that there's something really vital in those, in those, you know, those hands on do it yourself, um, basic elements to life, but, (laughs) <laughs> there's a reason that they're, they've they continued, I guess, because they are, you know, these fundamentals, I guess.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think that they allow you to input on your own life instead of going out and buying convenience all the time, which, you know, it's, it's faster, but you have to work longer because you need to pay for the convenience. Um, and if you opt out of that and you do the things for yourself, it gives you the confidence um, to do a whole lot more and you feel as if you're actually working on your own life and not just, you know, sort of sitting on the sidelines watching.
0: I love that, that you've got input on your own life because I think so many people, and I, I mean I could easily count myself in this particularly up until, you know, a few years ago, Life just is something that happens to you, you know. You get swept up in what you should do and keeping up with the Joneses and, you know, competing and comparing. And life is just something that is happening to you. But if you stop and be intentional, that's really where, you know, you can start to make changes and that's where you start to find, you know, the the root of yourself. And, yeah, I think that's, that's really important. Um, I think convenience is a massive thing. And you mentioned convenience. You know, we. I think it, a really important question that we need to ask ourselves is what are we trading for in order to get convenience, you know, for convenience's sake?
2: Yeah, well, I think that most people are trading their life hours. You know, we've only, all of us have only got a certain number of hours that we're going to be alive. Um, and if you spend your life hours working to pay for convenience foods and high fashion and travel and whatever um, then you you know you have less time to live to really do the things that you want to do in your own life. I think that um, there are a whole lot of people who think that um, working and traveling and all of that sort of stuff, it, you know, is exciting and, and yes, it is, um, but there is a price to that you pay for it and, um, uh, for me, uh, I'm not prepared to pay that price anymore. Mm.
0: So on your blog you say that um, discovering simple living saved you from, um, what do you say, a life of ridiculous spending and mindless acquisition. Uh, mm. And something I always like to ask guests is how did you discover the idea of simpler living? Or is that something that you've always sort of, you know, prescribed to?
2: Well, I've always been a bit of a greenie, um, but I'd never heard of simple living. Um, I used to be a journalist and then a technical writer. And um, I was caught up in, you know, the travel thing and the work thing and the convenience thing, just like everyone else was. And I was burnt out. I had a huge contract with BHP at the time doing some uh, writing for them and it took me 18 months to get through that contract. And when I finished, I was just so over everything. Um, And I, I was really stressed out. I couldn't do anything. You know, I was just thinking about work all the time. So I thought, okay, what I have to do is just stop. I, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew that I had to stop work. So I closed my business down, and um, then I had because my husband had already retired, um, and he was he bought a, a little gift shop. Um, he was working in that, and that was really our own our only income then. So I had to quite quickly work out ways of reducing the cost of living for us. Um, luckily, we were debt-free. We owned our own home. We had no other debt. Um, so I started looking online for just frugal hints, things, how, you know, how to reorganise myself with grocery shopping, all those sorts of things, you know, cheaper meals, all that stuff. Uh, I went on to a place called Frugal Village which is a big American site and I I worked there for a little while as one of their moderators for four years I think I was there and um, I very slowly realised that their version of frugality wasn't what I wanted because they were um, saving money so that they could buy other things, mm-hmm. um, whereas I just wanted to cut back on on whatever I could cut back on. But I did learn a lot there, and um, so that's how I started. I started by being more frugal with my own expenses and trying to cut the cost of living. Once I started doing that, I realised uh, then very early the cost of convenience So then I started working on that. I started um, trying to simplify everything that I was doing in the home. So I tried to cut out um, chemicals in my home. I I started making my own cleaners and soap and things like that. Um, I rearranged how I had the house so that I could work more easily Um, I'd always been a cook, you know, who did uh, my cooking from scratch, but I'd fallen off that bandwagon in the previous few years, so I stopped all of that convenient stuff, went back totally to scratch cooking and uh, started building a stockpile and then uh, I just realised that I'd totally changed the way I lived and then I found a site an American site that was, you know, it was a simple living site. And I thought, well, you know, this is sort of what I'm doing. I was doing a little bit more in the home than they were. Um, But, um, yeah, and that's how I discovered the whole concept of simple living and it went on from there.
0: It's really interesting to hear, um, you know, someone who's achieved so much in your own simple living kind of journey and, and learnings, and even um, looking back, you can see that you're, it, it was just a series of small changes and small steps. I think people sometimes, like they'll look at where you are now and think, well, I could never, I could never do that because, you know, that's 10,000 steps away from where I currently am, <laughs> you know. So I think it's really important that people can hear that it took you years and, you know, there was these incremental changes over time that built upon each other, you know. That, that really helped you to build a life that you currently have. So is that something that you encourage people to to do, to just take small steps and make small changes?
2: Yeah, I think that's the only way to do it, Brooke. Um, I think also that it, it never ends. You know, you don't have a destination with this. It's, it's the journey. So um, when you've, like, when I'd been doing this for a few years, I thought, okay, this is it. I've got it. I've sorted it out. And then I was older, so it changed. And it's always changing. You know, it, it changes because you change. It changes because your children grow up. They get older. You get older. You have to do things differently. Um, your circumstances change. It never, It ne- you never come to the end of it. And it's always small steps every time. I remember when we first came here, before I started this sort of lifestyle, we put in a a water tank. Now, that's nearly 20 years ago that happened. Ten years later, we'd saved up enough to get a second water tank. Um, When we first arrived here, we put a solar hot water system on the roof. Ten years later, we had enough money to buy solar panels. You know, these are all very small steps along the way. We never sort of arrived here and then thought okay this is what we're going to to do it was doing one thing that led to another that led to another and we just followed that path
0: yeah i think sometimes it's so easy to become so overwhelmed at the you know the the mysterious and ever-changing destination <laughs> that we, we try, we don't focus on the step that's right in front of us. And I know mm-hmm. I, I've been guilty of that myself. You know, you, you think about your end goal, you think, well, that's just, you know, that that's something that I can't possibly ever get to, but it's just the, the next step. That's the only thing that that matters at that point. And sometimes I guess, cause it's a long, it's a long game too, you know, like you were saying it took you 10 years to save up to get your second water tank 10 years to save up to get your your solar panels you know in those 10 years a lot of other things happen but you're still working on those longer you know those longer goals it's just hard to see it when it's you know such a a long game
2: yeah I get a lot of people asking me how to start Mm. Um, and I always say to them just start on what is troubling you now you know what what is the big problem in your life now it could be their finances it might might be food allergies it could be anything whatever people have got a problem with at the moment or whatever they are concerned about should be their first step and what they'll find usually is that when they when they're working on that and they resolve all of those issues and and feel as if they've made some progress, that will open up the door to something else. For instance, when I was starting my journey and I was trying to cut my costs by different ways of grocery shopping, I started stockpiling and that alone started me onto baking And then I started looking into preserving and things like that. So you just make one small step and then it opens up a whole lot of other possibilities for you. And then you can pick and choose which one you go on to next. Yeah, I I
0: think that's uh, so true that, you know, you start with one thing and it just opens up the next possibility. And it becomes more obvious where you can then continue to make changes after you've made that first change.
2: Yeah, definitely. So... Um
0: you've so you've got children who have now grown. You've got grandchildren, yes. haven't you? Yes, yeah. three grandchildren. Um and were you making these changes when you had a young family yourself or were your kids a bit older or
2: Um I started when the kids were in their late teenage years. Mm-hmm. So they were still living at home probably for the first 2 or 3 years. And then they left home. After that, I mean, they came back numerous times. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, they—they they, one of my sons helped me do the first um, vegetable garden here.
1: Okay. Um,
2: so yeah, they were involved in the. Well, one of them was involved in the in the early processes here.
0: And how did you find it making those changes with your family at home? You know, was there any resistance, or because it was such a gradual process, were they kind of more? open to it
2: no they, there was a lot of resistance my husband for instance didn't want to have anything to do with it he thought that i was crazy um and when i told the kids that i was cutting off the pay tv they just about <laughs> died of a stroke um but you know i think that you just have to believe that you're doing the right thing and then if you if you do believe that you just do what you think is right Uh, You know, they look back now, they've got their own children now and they think, or they've said to me, you know, that um, they're really pleased that um, I showed them a few things along the way. But, you know, I think with my my husband not being on board in the beginning, um, I think a lot of men are motivated with the money. They think that... um, you know and and you know it's I suppose it's a cultural thing too, because um a lot of men still believe that they're the breadwinner, and they they're they're not really um doing their job if they're not providing for their family and you know especially in in my age um men definitely felt like that, so um I thought that if I could convince my husband that this was going to save money then you know, he'd probably be more inclined to look on it in a more favourable light. So what I did was I tried to talk him around. He said, no, that's ridiculous. Um, I'm not going to do it. Um, And so I just left it at that. And for six months I saved the money that I would have spent on groceries and I put it all into a box and at the end of that six months, I showed him that box full of money and he just about died mm-hmm. because there were hundreds of dollars in there. And, uh, you know, then I went and put it in the bank and he he slowly came around and probably the same in the same way that I did, his small steps involved being convinced by that money to start off with and then that opened up different possibilities for him, and he's as much on board now as as I am.
0: I know you write a lot about about the work that he does uh in the garden and things like that, and uh you guys both you seem to be a team you know it's a really a real team team effort to to pull yeah. together the home that you've got
2: yeah well uh, um I was a bit scared when I first left work because I thought gee, what's this going to be like? Um, 24 hours together in the house, (laughs) both retired. I'm not sure how it's going to pan out. Uh, But what we did was part of our ritual of the day was to stop our work at 10 o'clock and I'd make a pot of tea and we would go and sit out on the front veranda and we'd just talk. We'd talk about what we were doing that day, what our plans were, You know, we just talked, and that reconnected us in a very strong way that I wasn't expecting. I don't think he was either. But it sort of got us back to a place where we could trust each other. We knew that we were both working towards the same thing, and it reconnected us, I suppose, as a couple. So that sort of slowing down allowed us to step back enough to you know, to see that we were still a couple and that we could work together as a team and that would be to our mutual benefit. And, you know, we're still doing that now.
0: I think the the idea of ritual, you know, and using a ritual to reconnect and to recalibrate and recognise that you're, you're heading towards the same kind of goal and you've got the same things in mind, it's so important. Think, yeah. Yeah.
2: I think that... Um, There are a lot of rituals that you forget about when you're buying convenience and you're living a fast life, Um, but they seem to come back to you when you start slowing down and you, you know, you start working to a rhythm. Um, Rituals start to become part of your day. The important milestones of your family become... Things that you create rituals about, and you know, it really it connects you. It it uh, makes you a stronger family, I think. To to celebrate those um, milestones together, and to and to um, you know, be part of the same rituals.
0: What sort of rituals do you, apart from you know, stopping having a cup of tea with your husband? Do you have anything that you regularly? Um, either you know celebrate with the ritual or practice every day um, either with your family or by yourself?
2: Um, I always go out and sit on the veranda by myself during the day and think Um, and I do that uh, you know every day. I, I never not do it. I also like sitting in the garden and just taking it in we've got a beautiful block of land here we're surrounded by pine tree forest and we've got a creek that makes up the back boundary and there are a lot of birds that come through so um just sitting there and taking all of that in i think it's an important part of my day because it grounds me to where i am and i feel really firmly connected to this land you know and even though legally we own it i don't believe we do own it i think it owns us mm-hmm. and um i think that I, I well i know that i'm happier now than i've ever been in my life and i think these slowing down parts of my day thinking about what i want to do where i'm going and, and also thinking about where I am now on this land and just experiencing what's happening around me every day, I think that that plays a big part in why I'm happy.
0: I, I remember reading a quote somewhere, I couldn't tell you where, that if you just stop in nature, if you sit out in your backyard, if you sit you know, on the balcony, wherever it is that you can see some kind of natural landscape, if you just sit and wait, then something will happen you 'll see a bird fly into its nest or you 'll see you know ants crawling out of you know of their their nest in the ground. Something will happen. you just need to wait for it to unfold and i 've always held on to that because I think it 's not dissimilar to what you 're talking about. It really grounds me to the fact that i 'm a part of something much bigger than my own head and my own problems and my own concerns, and just paying attention to it is so. It's refreshing and it's it's important, you know, um, and if we don't stop and just let some thoughts marinate in our brain, if we don't stop shoving things in, you know, noise and ideas and constant action, it's really hard to ever unpack the things that we're thinking about, you know. I,
2: yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I totally agree with you. I think that... Um, w- the the way that life is constructed now, we ca- we don't have that opportunity to just stop and listen and look, because if you do, as you just said, you you do notice so many things, and we are just part of the system. And I think that a lot of us put ourselves above it, and we think that we're the controllers of the system, and we're not. We're just one of the one of the ants, really. <laughs> um, and I think that if you do take that time to make that recognition, and if you can do it every day, it does ground you and it gives you um, it just gives you the knowledge that you're part of something really huge and you know and and therefore you're important
0: so whenever I talk about that sort of thing, um, you know taking that time, stopping having a cup of tea, sitting in the sun, whatever it is, I will almost always get a little bit of pushback from someone. Most people know, but someone who'll say, oh, but you're, you know, that's a privilege to have the time. You're lucky to have the time. And that's something that I, I don't agree with because I make the time. You know, yeah. there's always yeah. something yeah. else that I could be doing, but yeah. it's a matter of choosing to stop anyway, you know. And I think that's that's something that I come across a lot because I think people may be, wait, may be waiting until there's a perfect moment and i firmly believe that there is no such thing as a perfect moment to stop you just yeah. do it anyway
2: yeah i totally agree with you um i th- i i come across a lot of people who say i don't have time for simple living or i do i do um simplify when i can but then when things get busy i i don't have time to do it now i'm the opposite because being uh, living this way allows me to cope with the busy times now I've just had six months of intensive writing with my new book Um, and it's because I'm living simply that I was able to do that Um, you know it, it was the sitting in the backyard taking half an hour out of the day that grounded me enough to be able to keep on doing it because it was relentless and I doubt that I would have been able to do it had I been living any other way. And you're right, you have to make the time yourself. You have to say to yourself, this is important enough to stop what I'm doing. I'm just going to go out and just zone out for a while. And you just get so much back out of that.
0: You do, you really do. You do. Um, one other thing that I do get... Um, criticism is the wrong word people just offering a different perspective i guess but i'm lucky enough to work um i'm at home with my kids and i work from home so you know i guess my the structure of my day is different to somebody who has to get up and be in the office by eight thirty in the morning so how how do you how do you recommend that people who work outside the home find time for both reflection and also time to do these things that you know that are a part of creating a simpler life
2: I think you have to have a routine. Um once you've got a routine, you know what's going to happen in the morning. Half the time you can do bits of it the night before. Um you don't get up and and have that confused feeling of okay, what do I do now? Everything's um you know what the next step is and you just follow that. Um and if you can have a daily routine and a weekly routine, Generally, you can get through almost anything. I, I know that that's how I got through my uh, six months of intensive writing. Um, I had a specific day that I did the washing on, another day that I did the the shopping. Um, and it was only that I took the time to write down what I was doing um, that I got through it. Now... I, I'm not saying that I stuck to that religiously because I'm not that sort of person, but I definitely had that framework where I knew most every day what I would be doing for most of that time. I think,
0: um, and that's the benefit of having a rhythm. You know, I talk about having a rhythm. I have a morning rhythm. I have a daily rhythm, a weekly rhythm. And that to me is that's the foundation on which I build my life that's why I can get done the things that I get done because like you say I don't do it perfectly word for word every day but it it's because there's that that rhythm that I can always refer back to that things yeah. never get completely out of hand things never get on top of me you know yeah. to a point where I'm entirely overwhelmed by the housework or you know anything like that
2: yeah I, I think it's also um, uh, important to recognise that there's no such thing as perfect, mm-hmm. um, you know, perfection's overrated, and you have to be flexible. It's okay to make mistakes. If you can't do something in the way you thought you were going to do it, just do it how you can do it then. Um, you know, y- y- people shouldn't be so hard on themselves. It's okay not to do something... Um, that you thought you were going to do you just have to try the next day to do it Um, but you know that you have to have that flexibility and forgiveness of yourself I suppose that if you don't do it according to your plan then it's still okay and you can try again tomorrow.
0: Exactly and I think we hold ourselves to these unsustainably ridiculous ideals of what it looks like to be doing life well you know (laughs) you know a successful life is someone that's it's lived by somebody who gets everything squared away and all boxes ticked every day when that's it's just unrealistic you know i think what you said is so true and so powerful to to just be kind to ourselves and you know give ourselves flexibility and freedom and forgiveness if we do you know miss a step or or not get something done to the level that we want to that's okay
2: (laughs) exactly and i think that if you've got young children at home that is a very important lesson that you're teaching them when you when you're kind to yourself you're showing your children how to be kind to themselves when the same thing happens to them
0: that's really true actually and something that's close to my my kind of experience at the moment my kids are four and six so they're Mm -hmm. really i'm just seeing how much they absorb simply by being around you and seeing how you do things and seeing how you respond to things it's um you know it's a pretty heavy responsibility to to bear but when you think about modeling you know your behavior so that they can then grow up with that as their their foundation it's yeah yeah, so important
2: and children learn much more by watching you than by listening to you. Um, you know, you would like to think it's the other way. You tell them <laughs> to do something and they do it, but they will do what you do. Um, you know, so whatever you're doing during the day, um, that's what they're learning.
0: Mm. Going back to something that you said a, a minute ago, I found it really heartening that your, your, your kids now say how grateful they are for the, you know, the lessons that you taught them back when they were teenagers and you were starting to simplify and slow down because, you know, I, <laughs> as the mother of a four and six-year-old, sometimes I worry that it's just, you know, it's, it's a long game and it's really hard to see the, you know, how it's going to play out for them in their lives as adults. So it's while I'm confident that what I'm doing and what I'm teaching them is it's right for us, you know, it's going to be a good fit, it's going to hold them in good stead. It's just really heartening to hear that your adult children now are saying, Thank you.
2: Yeah, and, you know, I've got their children now as my grandchildren, so I'm sort of doing the same with my grandchildren. You know, having them see us working here slowly, sitting down, having a cup of tea, you know, they they get into that rhythm when they're here with us. And um, my grandson, Jamie, who's four, um, he he will come up and say, grandma it's tea time and you know he he enjoys his cup of tea just as much as we enjoy ours so um i think that we're teaching him things that he's not really learning at home i mean i know that they don't sit down and have a cup of tea but that's good you know he's learning what he's learning from his parents and he's learning extra stuff from us and i think that um it is really hard to be a role model for children. Um, but if you if you do your best, um, that comes through, you know, and as I said before, there's nothing, there's no perfect. Um, and if you can show your children that doing your best is the best way to be, um, then hopefully they take that on for themselves and they grow up with that idea in their heads and you know that that can only be good for them as they're as they're growing up because they don't they're not going to put all that pressure on themselves hopefully
0: yeah I think that's that's what I'm hoping anyway
2: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you never know. no
0: you never do know but
2: and you look back and you think oh yeah yeah that's good I'm glad I did that but you know I don't think you can go too far wrong by bringing children up like this it's a very gentle way to live and it just shows them you know how to be kind and generous and courageous and brave and um you know i think that that they're good things for children to know oh
0: undoubtedly and i think any of those things will hold any anyone let alone children in good stead as they grow up
1: and yeah
0: well this has been such a wonderful chat um thank you so much for for joining me and chatting with me and telling me all about your your book and what we can expect. It's um. It's, it's been, been a pleasure. Oh, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm sure I'm going to get a whole heap of very excited uh, emails when people <laughs> realise that you're a guest on the show.
2: <laughs> oh, that's good. It's been really wonderful talking to you, Brooke. Thank you. You too, Rhonda. You take care. Yes, you too. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Bye.
0: been another episode of the Slow Home Podcast. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe via iTunes and leave us a rating or a review. Thanks for listening.